Welcome to the Glee Man's Apprentice, a Wheel of Time podcast. I am your Glee Man, Twitch Avery. And I'm his apprentice, Mandy Cat. As Mandy Cat has already read the first four books of the series, there will always be poten- potential spoilers up through the Shadow Rising. And after that, I'll be reading the rest of the books for the first time with my Glee Man. Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Glee Man's Apprentice. I am your Glee Man Twitch, Avery. And I am his apprentice, Mandy Cat. How was your week? Uh, it was good. Um, I don't think I have too much exciting to say to you. Okay. How <laughs> was your week? It was good. It was mellow. It was it was a good weekend. Um, very productive. So. I kind of lied. Uh, Chris and I are setting final wedding plans for his birthday, which is next Monday. Oh, nice. Yep. Awesome. So setting details in the place. The most excited person is the. Uh, maintenance construction guy from Bemidji Community Theater. I'm not kidding you. Dwayne. Dwayne. He, I volunteer there on weekends, and he always asks me questions. And I'm literally not kidding. He is the most excited person, and he's telling other people about it, and I'm like, I'm not even telling people because it's not that exciting. Dwayne's, Dwayne's great. Cause, anyway, so that, that's, I guess, details are falling into place. So there you have it. Awesome. Right on. Well, should we jump right into it? It seems like yep. you're uh, pretty detailed. We wanted to get to the end of the book today, right? Yep, we got to jump up and okay. do it. All right. So, chapter 41, Old Friends and New Threats. Want me to hop in? Um, yeah, yeah. All right. Go. Rand makes it back to the Queen's Blessing to tell Master Gil and Loyal what happened when he fell into the garden and met the royals. And Loyal remarks, Taverin, and Master Gil laughs like it's a great joke. Uh, White Cloaks enter the inn to make a check, claiming a dragon fang outside Master Gill's inn, but are run off by the people inside. And in comes Moraine and everyone else. She insists on staying at the inn and removing the rats from Master Gill, and she is shocked by Matt's state of being and warns of the danger of Shadar Logoth and confirms the dagger has been a beacon to dark friends, explaining Matt and Rand's rotten luck on the Camelin Road. Matt tries to kill her with the dagger, Lan casually stops him, and Moraine lectures, all while Matt is still trying to kill her with the dagger. So she takes out an angriol to heal Matt and shoes everyone out of the room. End chapter. Okay. You remember all that? Yeah. I probably glossed over a few details. Yeah, you did. You did. there's so much in these next few chapters. Yes. Yes. So, um, a few things. This is the first 
mention of Taveret that we get. Correct? Uh, is it the first or second? I think Loyal said it to Ram. Oh, that's right. Time. We already had this conversation. You're it's right. Just, Sorry. I wanted to mention it because Loyal is all just dead set. You are Taverin. Yep. And you know, Ram's probably still in some sort of denial. But now it's like, not really. Yep. A lot of yep. stuff is happening to you guys. Um, I also want to remark just uh, briefly on uh, how awesome Master Gil is, right? I, uh, like, yes. Master Gil's great. Absolutely. He automatically is like, we don't need to tell them that you're here. We, we, we tried not to tell them, you know, that you were here, but she asked for you by name. Yeah, yep, yep. He was very protective for Rand. Um, but this, this lady, and she, yeah. She wants to meet with you. And she, he was even very much like, this isn't the right place for you. Because I think he was really concerned about rats, correct? Wasn't he trying to make excuses that there's other places? Well, yeah, and he was using rats as an excuse, but... Despite the fact that he is a good Queen's man, and he is loyal to Queen Morghese, and Morghese holds with the White Tower, and he's cool with that... Normal folk in this story do not enjoy being in the presence of Aesodai. Got it. Got and he, it. he kind of picked up on the fact that she was Aesodai pretty quick. Yeah. And uh, okay. if, if, if Rand hadn't already told him. Um, and so he doesn't really want them to stay there because he's not comfortable with the Aesodai, especially with the state of, you know, of what's going on in Camelin with all these... Uh, people with the white, you know, strappings over their sword hilts, right? Right, right. Who, who are against Queen Morghese essentially because of her connection with the White Tower. Yeah. So, so yeah, so he, I, I think more than anything, he's, he's trying to get her to go somewhere else because it's not good for business to have a... Got it, to get, okay. To have a nice guy. I mean, he wasn't aggressive about no, it. No, no. I mean, he's a cool guy. He's, he's, yeah. And like I said, he's a good Queen's man. And I do know, I'm like, ah, all these rats, it isn't about extra people, it's about the Dark One spies, right? Nope. So, so nope. anyway, I just connected that. So, yeah, I mean, we, we, we can talk, I know we don't have a lot of time today, but we can talk about what's, like, I, I, I don't think I've asked you this yet, Has when was the first time that you realized that it was the dagger that was fucking with Matt? Uh, when I figured out he had it. Okay. You know, I'm not sure I was quick to assume he took it from the treasure trove. I was suspicious because they cut him off. Someone cut him off when he was answering, did you take anything? And okay. Anyway, th there was something weird in that chapter, but then I, I think as soon as they were on the ship and Matt's brooding, ignoring Rand, doing his acrobatics, it was clear to me, okay, this dagger is making you a grouch. Okay. Awesome. So, yeah, two so and two together. Were you surprised at all by his reaction to uh, Moraine when she walked into the room and he pretty much tried to kill her? No, I was surprised. Like, when I say Lan casually stops him, Lan is so casual about it, and Moraine just keeps lecturing. That's why I, I said that. That I, was what was surprising. Like, she's not even shocked. Yep. Lan's not even shocked. He just puts his arm out, stops it, and just holds it. I think the way it's described in the... Uh, in the chapter, and I meant to write this down, but I was I was cleaning while I was listening to this chapter, um, so I never got around to it. But I think the way it's it's worded is 
land like they describe the room and lands at the door, and then all of a sudden he has Matt's hand. Yeah, it, it's like just, like they didn't even see him move. He was just yep. he was just there. It's one of those suave writing <clears throat> yep. moments that if you read too fast, you skipped it. Yep, yep. But it just it just expounds on the badassness of Lan, right? Okay. Anyways. Okay. I, I I think I don't really think we need to cover that chapter much more than what we already we'll did. We'll fill like, in the gaps. Yeah. How about that? On to chapter forty-two, remembrance of dreams. So at this point, Rand leads the others to the library of the inn, where all of them meet Loyal and are all surprised at his size and trollicness. But literally, Loyal has a cat resting on him, and this is so sweet. I just love him. A <laughs> little while later, Matt comes in with a sheepish grin and appears better, but still has the dagger. Because Moraine says it's been a long time with the poisonous dagger and he would die without it. So he'll need some Tarvalon help for full healing. Moraine meets Loyal and at this point Rand reveals his Elaine adventures and meeting Elida. Then Loyal interrupts Moraine's attempts to begin game planning and asks about a traveler to the setting Shangtai, right? 20 years ago, who said that the Dark One intends to blind the eye of the world. Cue a sequence of sharing notes in which Perrin mentions that the Tinker said something about a maiden of the spear in the waist saying something similar, and Rand also mentions his dreams to Moraine about Baal saying the eye of the world won't save him. At this point, Moraine confirms that the web has been pointing directly at the Rand Matt Perrin trio, which I named Ratrin. <laughs> um, and Mer- um, she calls it a web of destiny and this appears to make it easier for the dark one to find them because all these events are pointing towards them eventually Moraine demands Loyal lead them through the ways to get to Faldara quickly to find the green man making Loyal immediately unhappy and he blurts out a warning about death and being swallowed by the shadow which sounds very foreboding of what's to come <sighs> So, again, I had thoughts on this chapter while I was listening to it, and again, I was... Did I skip details again? Because um, there's a lot. <laughs> there's, there's, no, there's, there's a lot of exposition, right? There's, um, and they kind of explain what the ways are to an extent, but we get more into that once we get into the ways, correct? Yep. Um, yep. So sure we can do. talk about, like more of the details of the ways uh, later on. Um, I would say shock value. Moraine wasn't necessarily happy about Rand's royal adventure and meeting Elida. Oh, no. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I think um, that's worth that's, talking. Yes. I mean, yeah. you might have more for me than I did at the point of reading it, but she definitely wasn't happy. You met Elida? <laughs> oh, shit. So, um, a, a couple things really quick. Once again, we forgot to mention there will be spoilers up until the end of book four, The Shadow Rising. Um, Once we get there, um, Mandy Cat will be starting... New. New. She, she, you know, uh, she doesn't know what's happening after that point. And, um, And then my idea was after book five, we would read the prequel. Got it. And Which would technically be book it, 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 Yeah, I think it was the 11th book 11th. he wrote. I think okay. he, he wrote that one after book 10, I believe. Got it. Um, but uh, uh, it explains a little bit more about Moraine's past and 
you, 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 you get some details filled in, but Moraine and Leandrin, and you, and you get it right from this chapter, right? Yep. Moraine and Leandrin do not have a very kosher relationship. By Leandrin, do you mean Elida? Uh, Elida, thank okay. you. Sorry, sorry. Just checking. <laughs> yeah, she's not happy. I think, and that was, like, I don't think she was happy about Elaine either or any of that, but Elida was definitely a sore point. She's not happy that he brought so much attention to himself. Yeah. Right, like basically the highest people in the land now know who Rand is. And Which I will say reflecting from how far I've read, like, okay, I get it, he's totally tavern, because who else would fall conveniently into the garden of royalty <laughs> and have all that happen to him? And, and get out not only, like, unscathed, but not even, like, imprisoned at exactly. all. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Okay. So, I, yeah, so, so yes, there's, there's definitely some tension between Aleda and Moraine, and, um, like I said, we'll learn more about that in the future. Okay. But, yeah. Let's, Keep going. I yes, got a lot of yes, notes. Yes, let's, let's go All for right. it. Because chapter 43, Decisions and Apparitions, I made a side note. At this point, I'm really thinking, there is no way this story can end within one book. Okay. So, moving on. Well, yeah, because at this point, we're... Within almost 12 chapters of the end. Yeah, and, and maybe not even 200 pages, right? Yeah, like it's less than 200 pages left. It's like, slim. how the fuck are we going to finish this? Okay. Okay. So, Loyal provides us a history dump about the ways. And the Ogier, back in the past, wandering around in the time of madness. Eventually, they provided refuge for the male Aes Sedai in their steading. But the men were steadily going mad with the taint. As a thank you for hosting them, the male Aes Sedai created the ways in which time and distance are strange, and the Ogier could easily move from grove to grove. Loyal says, Ways are not part of the world we see around us, nor perhaps of any world outside themselves, which I just thought was a creepy, interesting, great statement. Okay. So the ways are noted to be a living thing. Also interesting. So Moraine confirms the three boys are tavern, and they begin making plans for what's next using Master Gill's expertise. The boys go to sleep and cue dream sequence with Baalzaman, who tells Rand the Aes Sedai will use him and that there are black Aja who support Baalzaman. Rand keeps denying the Dark One only to hear him say, die, 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 die. Rand wakes up to discover Matt also had nightmares and foolish Matt in his dream had picked up an object representing yeah. him, which then took on his specific features so Baalzaman knows his face. So Damn I, it. I, I, I have to say... Um... I've been listening to these books this go around, and uh, to hear Robert Kramer uh, do the die 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 part. Oh my god, it's fucking hilarious. Um, yeah, that's basically how I wrote it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 uh, there is a part in book two that I'm going to make you listen to. Okay. The audible part for it because it's just it's it's the best. Um, but uh, yeah, so. Is that the end? Yes. And I think this yes, is one of those it. ones I tried purposely to not to put too much detail. There was a lot more detail about the Ogier and their history that yeah. I made very condensed for the purpose of not talking too much. And I honestly don't really think that we need to talk about that too much. I do want to talk about uh, the ways a little bit. Okay. Because uh, the girls, uh, I think mostly Egwene... Um, have quite a few questions about, um, like, the male 
Aes Sedai, weren't they already going mad? How were they able to, right. to yep. make the ways if they were staying in the steading? Blah, 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 blah. Um, so, so Loyal talks about how they had to leave the steading in order yep. to make it, but that's why all the way gates were like right next to a steading. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. Or, or like a large city that had like a grove in it. Because yep. the groves were not a permanent solution to the longing that Ogier feel when they're away from the setting too long, but it's a temporary, like, it, 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 makes, it makes it so you can stay out a little bit longer okay. before the longing starts taking you. So, so that's why all the way gates are either right next to a, a setting or right next to uh, somewhere that was once an Ogier grove. And yep. remember, pretty much in every major city in the time before the breaking, there was an Ogier Grove. Correct. Um, and so Which they're all over the fucking place. is what Loyal had been yeah. searching for, but yep. now all the groves have been built over and Mo- destroyed. Yep. Most of them are gone. So that's probably <clears throat> interesting to think of. It's probably hard to figure out where exactly the ways are in current times. But they're still okay. there, apparently. All right. Was there anything else that we wanted to uh, touch on in this chapter? You know, there were some... Uh, what would you call it? What do you call it when someone leaves Easter egg or something? But in the Nightmare, there's Black Aja, and I think that's the first time... The Black Aja is mentioned? I think it is. Okay, I think you're right. And, and uh, you know, first time reading this, could care with that, eat less what that means. I mean, it sounds bad. Yeah. Black is usually associated with evil. And but at this point, at this point, you've heard about... How many Ajas have you heard about it Blue? so far? Red. Blue and red. Blue and red. Is, is that it? Have we heard of blue? I know we've heard of red. Well, I mean, Moraine has said that she's an Ajas. Okay. Blue. I think Aja. we've heard blue and red. Okay, we and haven't even heard green yet. Perhaps others. Perhaps green and white, but I... No, I don't think we have. Okay. Maybe green, but I don't think so. I think okay. maybe Moraine at one point said there something There might have about... been a, a, dro- a name drop about one other Ajas yeah. than red or... And, but now we're getting a black Ajas. So at, at this point to you, you're like... Okay, so there's different colors, Ajahs. Right, and it's a nightmare, which for the most part, it's give and take what you believe. It's, it's a nightmare. Do you think these nightmares are real? Do you think... You know, every time uh, Rand gets hurt in a nightmare, he seems to come back with blood or something. Yeah. So that they have to be in a dimension. That, okay. So, so whatever that means. I might have a note that will meet up with me finishing... My answer later. Okay, okay, okay perfect. Okay. So I don't want to go too much now. Uh, permission to continue? Yeah, I think, I, yeah, I don't think we have to cover this chapter too much. There's plenty more to go. Oh, through. there's so much more. All right, chapter 44, The Dark Along the Way. Once we get to the last four chapters, we're, there's Watch a lot out. to cover. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Master Gill is thrilled to not have rats in his inn and considers fully paid the inconvenience of hosting the crew and helping them leave quietly. Um... So Loyal, very, very early morning, by the way, it is dark out, but Loyal leads the way through the city with his spidey senses toward the ways, zigzagging through the city, eventually to a cellar under a shop, in which they find intricate carvings and part of the original wall from the Ogier building days. And we hear Moraine say, Avendasora, indicating a tree foil leaf in the stonework, which represents the tree of life. Moraine moves it to part of the pattern on the wall, and the wall opens... And land leads the way through the wall. So I, 
you know, platform nine and three quarters. Okay. So Rand follows, <laughs> noticing an odd sensation as he goes through, which reminded me of the movie Abyss. Okay. Okay. And then seeing how dark it is inside, he notes the lanterns do not give off as much light as they should. Moraine comes last and locks the door from the inside, and we see Loyal reading Ogier's script on a guiding stone, and they begin walking through the ways, where Rand observes stonework and bridges which seems familiar to him, but he cannot place. But we, the readers, might recall he once had a nightmare earlier in his adventures with bridges upon bridges. Um, right here, I say, is he a dreamwalker with his one power? Because there's something that was real in his dream, right? Anyway. Okay. They continue riding until it is time for sleep. Not that there are any outside cues, because it is simply dark, followed by more dark. Okay. Um, so... Yeah, so getting to the ways, there's a lot of descriptive tension, right? Like for sure, like I skipped a lot of it. Um, uh, Master Gill's uh, hired man Lamguin um, is, you know, watching the door, and, and he informs yep. them that there's white cloaks yep. around at and, the front and door. They're that being there's, watched. There's so. some there's some creepy looking guys. So there's yeah. some you know their dark friends, right? So so they're they're sneaking through and. And it is a pretty cool sneak through, even though I didn't write it down, but they leave through a forgotten door in the stable that's pretty much between, it opens to the pathway between two buildings, more yeah. or less like a dead-end alley that yep. you'd see in the movies, but they're leaving through the quote-unquote dead-end. So they totally, the people at the front door, they look and see, yep, it's being watched, but the people watching are still just focused on the front door, not the side building. Yep. So pretty cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, and, and, and like Robert Jordan always does, he always ties in some great descriptions in, into what's going on. Uh, he's really good at building tension. Um, yes, he is. And he's really good at just, like, like, just dropping shit into, like, nowhere, right? So, anyways. Um, so, yeah, so then we get into the ways. Uh, so you mentioned the sensation, but he... He goes in, and all of a sudden, he's going way too fast, right? Yeah, it, it was like and, slow motion at yeah, first, yeah. and then suddenly it's stumbling because he's going to run his horse off the Yep, yeah, the horse gets freaked way. out, and, and that's kind of... And, and Loyal's like, you need to be, you know, careful in the ways because time is distorted here. Um, okay. Right, there were some really cool descriptions within the ways, but again, for the purpose of time... A lot of pock, you know, pockmarked uh, bridges and, and pathways, right? And right, and I, even the doorway itself, I love this description. Rand is like, so what's behind the actual doorway where he can dimly see the yeah. people in the cellar? And Loyal is basically like, not sure, you might just walk right around to the other side, but I don't recommend it because you also might never come back. Which is, I'm like, astounding. I'm like, that is some great science fiction just thrown right in there. Yep, right? Which maybe, I don't like know. Like behind the Stargate or something. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Which I never watched, but. Sci-fi feel. <laughs> oh, my mom watched all that stuff. Even The Abyss. I'm like, that's the one thing I remember from the whole movie was the weird liquid stuff. <sighs> I don't remember that. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie. Yeah, I'm pretty like sure how... I was a teenager the last time I saw that movie. Well, I'm pretty sure I was scared of that movie because I was... That was a great movie. Um, really, the only thing I remember from that movie... God, I don't think I remember it. I don't even remember any of the actors. Uh, I have one vague memory. I'm going to put on my two watch list because I'm not kidding. I probably watched it 
like 1990 and was too young to watch it, and it oh, yeah, yeah, scared yeah, 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 me. Yeah. No, that's yeah. that's probably the last time I watched. No, I was probably like, I mean, I think it came out in the mid 90s. But anyway, there was a liquid. <laughs> I think it was something like how he could breathe down there. there you know what? No, I do remember that. I do remember that. It was basically like uh, yeah. liquid oxygen. Right? I don't know. If that's what I was. Okay, so to. go on. So chapter 45, what follows in the shadow. Ongoing travels in the ways. They discover a collapsed bridge and Loyala is worried about the decay. And Rand gives him comfort by distracting him with chit-chat about visiting a steading when this is over and showing Loyale Emmons Field only for our dear Loyale to respond, do you believe it will be, will it ever be over? <laughs> it's so sweet. Um, it kind of, I don't know, it makes me think of a lot of things, even actually Samwise from Lord of the Rings. Um, okay, Moraine cannot set wards for safety at night because of the taint and distracts them from the doom and gloom by declaring she believes Tom Marilyn to be alive based on all the talk from Whitebridge folk and admitting that Min had claimed Tom to be part of the pattern. Cue tension between Rand and Egwene as Matt teases Rand about Min, then Perrin commenting about Aram to shut Egwene up, and then Airhead Matt mentioning Elsa. Uh, right, right. Absolute it's like, good it's like, grief, Matt. Dude, what the fuck? We, we, we let it go. But it's just so fucking catty, right? Yes. Like, Matt, uh, Rand didn't do anything. No. And with with either of those girls and fucking or Elaine and fucking uh, uh, Egwene was like, was like flirting like a motherfucker with Aram and oh all we did was dance yeah I know that's all you did but it's, but who the hell is this man you 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 were leading Aram on like a motherfucker Rand never led on any of no, the girls no it just happens to Rand which he's is just so hot funny. he's just a well, tall hot redhead yeah. yes he's tall and hot. Okay. Well, and he's Tavern. Let's add that. That's probably part of the attraction. Well, everybody just wants to fall in love with him because of Tavern, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Was there anything else we wanted to touch on? Uh, Matt? The next part might answer a few okay. more. Okay, so at that point, Land comes to a slumber party and reports they are being followed through the ways, but danger does not seem imminent. The next day, they continue through the ways and find a guiding stone that had purposely been scratched up, likely by Trollocs. And I had an aha moment, so this is probably how Trollocs kept finding the Emin Fielders in the beginning through other waygates. Um, well, and this was kind of unheard of. The Trollocs would be in the, the ways. Right, right. At right. least to, like, Loyal and Moraine. Um, when, they, when they saw this, they were like, oh, fuck, Trollocs are here? Right. And okay. So that's important to know. And why I could connect it to a previous point. Um, they see another collapsed bridge. And that one would have typically led to Tarbalon. So now we have suspicions of purposeful corruption and destruction in the ways. Um, I think it's kind of Moraine or someone tries to reassure. But it's like, uh, that seems very purposeful. Why is Tarvalon cut off from the ways that we now know Trollocs are in? Mm-hmm. Rand observes the wind only. There's no wind in the ways. It is Match and Shin, or the Black Wind. And they do not want to be caught in that storm of threatening voices. So it is a heart-thudding race to their final way gate, and thank goodness Machin Chin cannot pass through the gate. And as, after they are outside, we find out that what the wind had whispered about flesh and stripping it from them and lots of blood, which is basically where this chapter ends. And then they start on their way to Faldara. Um, I'll just note, when I first heard Machin Chin, it, it does seem reminiscent of Shadar Logoth, which was it a white fog or something? Uh, but yeah, a mashadar. Yep. Bad news yep. bears. So so there's a difference though. Mashadar is a fog. Correct. And Mashin Shin is 
a wind. Oh, so, yeah. So you have a, you have a visual with uh, Moxing Shin, oh. but not an audio. And you have an audio... Sorry, I totally screwed up. You have a visual with Mashadar, yep. but not an audio. You have an... You, you know, you have an audible uh, creature... With Mach and Shan, but not a visual. Because it's wind. You can't yeah, see wind. And you can't hear fog. So, a lot of people lump them into the same thing. But it's uh, not. I, they're, they're very different. They're both touched by the shadow, but not of the shadow. Like, you know. Well, just, yeah, the fog was mindless and just gonna consume you. But this thing is. This talks. And it has a it's it does seem to have a mind like it it's telling them specifically what it wants to do to them. It's uh. It's pretty terrifying. Uh, hold on, what is it? I've got to find it. Every every podcaster when they when they cover this, they flesh so fine, so fine to tear, to gash the skin, skin to strip, to plate so nice, to plate the strip so nice, so red the drops that fall, blood so red, so red, so sweet, sweet screams, pretty screams, singing screams, scream your song, sing your screams. So Andrew Bard of Time, the guy that does yes. our uh, our music for us. Um, he just this weekend released a, a video of, uh, I'll have to show it to you, it's, it's great, of, of uh, singing about the ways. That's great. And he, he puts that whole quote into it. It's, it's amazing. Um, but yes, like every podcaster makes sure that they read through that. I have to read through it. It's, it's something that we have to do. Okay. So, so yeah, so the ways are fucking creepy. Uh, Moxing Shin is fucking creepy. And honestly, side note that we don't need in today's podcast, but um, it's like, uh, it could be its own book, essentially. It's what I felt when I first read uh, Dracula. There's one chapter about Dracula's adventure on the high seas when he's just in a cargo ship, and that chapter is terrifying and could have been its own book movie about all these mysterious things happening to the ship and the captain and everything. And I kind of think the same with this. You really could have made a book just about the, the ways. ways. Like, all the horrible adventures. Yeah, honestly. So, side note. All right. Anything else? I don't think so. All right, let's keep trucking. Chapter 46, Faldara, which I probably pronouncing it right. I might mention Faldara. It. Okay, I, I like Faldara. Yeah. All right. So, huge note. In the book, before this chapter, there's a map that shows Faldara by the spine of the world. And this happens to be the same place that Gwyn and Perrin were headed toward when they were wandering lost in the woods, per Elias. Do you remember that? Yeah. I think that's a big deal because they would have made it. That's essentially my thought. I mean, if they didn't start. It, it, it would have taken them a long time. But yeah, that's, yeah. that's the direction they were going. It's just interesting. But okay, so the crew arrives to Shinar, or the Borderlands. Here it is colder, trees split open because of the cold winter, and farms along the way appear abandoned and empty, although a queen astutely observes that these houses do not have winter curtains, deducing that folks could not have been gone for more than one to two weeks, and Perrin confirms that the scythe line in the field lacks rust for a timeline that would match Equine's. Um Well, and, and it's kind of cool what, what Perrin does right there, right? Um, like, I think Matt's the one that comments, like, really? Curtains? You can right. tell, like... By curtains and and parents like, uh, I didn't notice the curtains, but I mean you even should have noticed the rust on the scythe, right? Like like he he kind of defends the Aguin, uh, in a way that we hadn't really seen before, like right? He he, 
Yeah. In a way, like he's he's kind of like, or at the very least, he's basically putting Matt in his place because people, you know, need to put Matt in his place. Yeah, it's a basically shut yeah. the fuck up moment. Shut the fuck up, Matt. Um, but worth noting, Rand does wonder about parents' ability to notice all that rust. Yes, and Rand Rand has been noticing this pretty much. Uh, from the moment they all got together. We didn't really talk yeah, about this, no. but when, when they first got back together uh, at um, the Queen's Blessing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Hair and golden eyes. Uh, yeah, he, he noticed a difference about, um, about Perrin, about yeah. how, how he just was looking down more, a little yep. bit more aloof than he even already was. So, anyways, okay. All right, so Rand, per usual, wants folks to go back, but Nynaeve actually quotes Moraine that they are all part of the pattern. We also get a minor history dump from Loyal about the green man and that no one can find him twice and that he seems to like Ogiers and tree songs, so very sweet. There, oh, yes? Um, at this point, oh, anyways, no, you go on. All right, they arrive to the town of Faldara, which has a high wall surrounding it, and they are required to take down their hoods per local law as half-man cannot hide their true faces so you realize there is danger in this parts we meet armored men who call out daishan then glory to the builders um and it's clearly daishan is for lan glory to the builders oh gear and i thought this was notable i'm like oh moraine a side eye does not get anything huh? compared to them um fella named ragan reagan okay so hold on when they when they shout out to uh, daishan do you think they're like acknowledging him as a warder or for another reason? Another reason. Okay. Yep. So they might not necessarily... I mean, they do because they, they know who Moraine is, but they might not necessarily know uh, that he's a warder or that she's an ace of die. Right? Like, like some of the like lower-down soldiers might not realize that... They just know that he's a land He's man something important. Yeah. And I don't, I guess, first time reading it, I didn't think it had anything to do with the warder or they would have acknowledged Moraine along yep, with him. Yep, exactly. So, that was, that okay. was what I was getting at. So, so then Regan asked Lan if the golden crane flies again, to which it's like, no, what golden crane? Okay. As they walk through town, they find all the farm folk and livestock from the abandoned farms along the way. The description of local men is that their heads are all shaved but the top. Uh, which is held with a cord. So I was wondering, is that like samurais? Is that the yeah. picture I'm getting? Yeah. Okay. There is some sort of gross miscommunication that Lan is coming to help them. Spoiler alert, he's not. And a fella <laughs> named Ingtar brings them to Lord Agomar. Uh, with Ingtar along the way glossing over how bad it is, but Lan is not convinced. Upon meeting Agomar... Um, Agamar tells the truth that Inktar has too much pride and things are really bad. More Trolloc raids and whispers of the world ending and the Dark One on the loose. Agamar is also disappointed that Lan is not there to ride with Agamar's soldiers to Tarwin Gap, so big fight coming up soon. He keeps pressing Lan to the extent Lan literally crushes the silver goblet of wine in his hand. So I take it this must be a pretty big struggle yeah. right now to remain a warder and just leave your old life and expectations. Yeah. Want me to keep going? Oh, uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Moraine informs Agomar of their plans to head into the Blight and seek the Eye of the World for their own battle with the Dark One, which Agomar is concerned for the country bumpkin Emin Fielders, um, and they refuse his offer of an escort, with Moraine refusing because the Green Man is selective and need is the key. 
and she reveals her secret weapon of Tavern, which finally brings Agomar to concede. They eat dinner together, and at one point, Lan recites poetry, life and beauty swirl in the midst of death. And Ran considers Lan to be an onion because layers. Lan is an onion. (laughs) Um, Okay. I'm not sure how important that was. I just liked it. No, no, no. I wrote it down, too. That's like the only note I actually got. Ingtar interrupts to tell of a stranger that tried to enter the town with an accent of a Lugarder and describes the stranger as a madman and Agomar remarks on his hatred of dark friends. Another spoiler alert. Ha ha, Agomar. I won't go into details why that's a spoiler. Wait, Agomar? It's a ha ha, because Agomar hates dark friends after Ingtar talked about some stranger coming into town. Okay. Ha ha. Okay. Moraine okay. observes <laughs> that dark friends know neither border nor blood. Ingtar returns with the straggly man, and it's a cute scene of Matt saying, The peddler. Perrin naming Padan Fane and Ran figuring out, oh, it's the beggar from Camlin. It's a real Scooby-Doo moment. Fane claims the Dark One made me his hound. And then Fane is claiming he does not like Trollocs or the Dark One and appears erratic in his words and behaviors. And finally, Moraine claims Fane is less than human and worse than vile. So there's a lot uh, to unpack there. There's oh, a lot, so much. There, there's a lot of uh, exposition about how... Uh, Pad and Fane was a dark friend, um, but then he was specifically sought out by the Dark One and, and his higher-ups because of where he peddled. Mm-hmm. Right? Which we get more detail in the next chapter. Oh, okay. Am I jumping ahead? A little okay. bit. Okay. okay. I know there's so much. Okay. Yep. That's in chapter so, 47 in more detail. What am I missing from this one, then? Well... There's just so, so much. much. Yeah. So basically, my my general impression is, okay, Lan is someone important that they want to fight for them. Lan is saying no. Moraine is all about, nope, we're going into the blight. And Agamar's, why? You need my soldiers. And yeah. she says, no. It takes quite a bit of convincing that, like, these three... You know, country bumpkins need to be the ones to come with me. And he's like, at least let me send, like, actual fighting men and replace them. And then at one point, um, he's like, wait, you're not Red Aja, but would you even connect yourself with, like, he doesn't actually say it, but he definitely eludes men who who can channel, right? Right. Um, So, yeah, so there's just a lot of exposition, a lot of talking. So much. Point. We definitely get that deeper level of land. You know, I, that's maybe. I, there's not much about land, so I love it. But his little poetry is a beautiful moment. He's um, an onion. Yep. He's, he's, he, 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 he shows little glimpses of. Uh, because he very much, like, displays himself as, like, uncaring, unfazed, right? Like, completely stoic. Um, but every once in a while, he throws out something. He 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 throws a little bit of emotion, or or like recites poetry. Yeah, well, <laughs> so, Gleeman, what's your impression? Life and beauty swirl in the midst of death. So, what does that make you think of? Okay, okay. So 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 it's uh, the rose petal floats on water, the kingfisher flashes above the pond. Life and beauty swirl in the midst of death. <sighs> So something pretty over here, well, something else. So basically, like, like uh, uh, my my 
my takeaway on it is at least in the borderlands there is no peaceful moments even when things seem relaxed and calm and you know there's always there's always death right there at the doorstep okay and they mention it later um about the whole uh about how she and arms always say peace they do yeah there's there's a conversation because 90 is like why do they always say peace and and lan makes a comment when you've never known something it becomes like how is how is he worded it becomes a uh A sort of symbol, right? Interesting. Also reminds me of like saying positive affirmations that eventually it'll happen, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. My mom used to do positive affirmations to herself in the mirror. They're good stuff. Yeah. All right, should we go on? Because we'll get more detail to come. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, like all of the conversations that are going on right now all lead on to like more tales of the wheel, I think, right? Yes, so chapter 47, more tales of the wheel. So, we see Agumar entertaining his guests, and Egwene asks about Land's history, which also piques Nynaeve's interest, and we get a huge history dump about the Seven Towers being an ancient title, and that Land should have been a king, naming him Alan Mandragoran, Lord of the Seven Towers, Lord of the Lakes, Crownless King of the Malkiar. Um, Melchior held the blight, and we learn the history of Lan's parents, including the king's brother Lane Mandragoran and his jealous wife Brian, who appears to want more. And she, Brian, convinced Lane, the brother, to go into the blasted lands where he died, which was a hit for Melchior's armed forces. Um, Brian continued plotting with this guy named Cowan Gamalin, or Cowan Fairheart to seize the throne for her son, Isam, and they... Isam. In good old Isam. And they did seize the Seven Towers, but lo and behold, Cowan Fairheart was a dark friend. And soon there was a Trolloc invasion, which could not be overcome without both King Alkir and, and Lane. Lane. But Lane was gone. But this, yep, Lane's dead. So Bran left with her son, Isam, and had an unknown fate, which I marked suspicious in this book series. And we learn Jane Charon, also known as Fair Strider, the book Tam was reading in the beginning. Far Strider, you mistyped. Oh, I mistyped Far Strider. <laughs> double, uh, double sadness. I want to say I was hoping Jane was a girl, but I guess it's a dude. Took down Cowan Fairheart, although it was Alakir who slew Cowan and wept the first peal of doom of the Seven Towers. Well, because the brothers were very very close it describes how close the two brothers were yeah, and they both named... loved Cowan Cowan uh... was a dark friend you know because it, I'm pretty sure it's, it, it talks about how the king had a love for Cowan as well okay. without knowing that he was a dark friend and then Cowan decided that his brother would be the easiest one to corrupt yeah what an asshole and that's so, so it says when, when, he, when he slew Cowan Fairheart he cried because he truly did come to love that man, uh, and then he found out that he was a dark friend, so he had to kill him. Reminds me of Ned Stark. You just got to do the right thing, though. Um, there's also um, 
conversation earlier that I, I that I forgot to bring up about how Fall Darren's feel about dark friends. They like like there there were dark friends that were discovered like not long before Moraine and the and the party got there and they didn't even get to like the Lord of Faldara, Lord Agomar, because they got ripped apart by the town's people. Oh, okay. So, okay. so, so these are like we're understanding the Faldarans because of their constant struggle. I mean, the like the Borderlanders, all like all the nations on the Borderlanders, but especially Shi'anarans, um, they do not take kindly to dark friends because they're constantly fighting the dark, and so they they can't even grasp in their minds that a Shi'anaran would be a dark friend. Right. Because they're constantly, like, dark friends must be Southerners and only Southerners. Uh-huh. There's no way that a borderlander can be a dark friend because of the constant struggle that we have with the dark. So, Got it. So that's important to know that, you know, I, I honestly, Shi'anar is probably one of my favorite cultures in the whole, in the whole story of the Wheel of Time, so... Okay, you go ahead. Sorry. Well, side note, Cowan Fairheart, it's like the name screams, I'm a Care Bear, but it's not true. <laughs> I think it's worth noting, anyone can be a dark friend. Was, lion, was the lion the Fairheart? Lionheart? Braveheart. Braveheart. Brave, okay, yeah. okay. I, I, I never watched it. <sighs> okay. So, King Alakir and the Queen, Eliana, were Lan's parents, and they placed the sword on their infant son's hands, and he received a locket from his mother... Then twenty swordsmen carried baby Lan to Fal Moran. His parents died at Horut's Crossing, and there in Melchior died. And the seven towers were broken, with the blight slowly swallowing Melchior. Baby Lan survived, and from the cradle, the surviving soldiers taught him all he knows. We find out that Lan denies his titles, and he is called the Uncrowned, and he refuses to lead men to their deaths. What a noble man. And, like, I'm pretty sure, is it Agomar or Intar? Who's, who's Agomar. Little, yeah. And Agomar, I, I don't think this has been mentioned yet, but Agomar is one of the five great captains. Uh, in this time, there are five men who are considered to be well, okay, great captains. Okay. And uh, Agomar's one of them um and yet he's talking about how lan refuses to accept his crown but all he would have to do is acknowledge it and he would have thousands upon thousands of soldiers coming to his aid right and this is probably why they all got so excited when lan when came they into saw town. him yep okay. yep they're like holy shit we're about to have this huge battle with tarman's gap one of the biggest ones we've seen in, since the trollic wars and all of a sudden like the uncrowned king of malgier just walks into our mists we are saved right oh, sorry guys yep. not not the story that's gonna happen okay so at this point, history lesson over, Moraine and Lan return from talking to Padan Fang and a new history dump of Fane. So here's the details. He's been a dark friend for over 40 years. Indeed, he brought the Trollocs to Emmons Fields through the ways, and he's been hunting the tavern for the past three years. Um, originally, he'd been summoned by half-men to Baalzaman, where he was sort of tortured, and it was ingrained in him to do Baalzaman's bidding. Moraine notes that Fane did not say everything he knows. At one point, Agomar even appears thoughtful during this history lesson that the two rivers is the same as Manetherin. No bigger yeah. detail than that, but worth noting. 
Fane had never been fooled by Moraine's distractions during their escape, and he could sense the boys, but the half-men did not believe him originally and kept forcing him to run with the Trollocs, sometimes sleeping in their cookpots. It was Fane who followed them through the ways. Even during the questioning, Fane would even look up from the cellars below at the area where the boys were. Fane um, not just followed them through the ways, but when the Black Wind arrived upon Fane, he understood their voices and some feared him, so it left him. It appears the Dark One may have impressed part of himself onto Fane. Agomar at this point again concedes to Moraine's plans to go into the Blight and says the Tarwan Gap fight is just going to be a diversion for them. Right? Yes. Anything else? Oh my god. So much. Okay, um, sorry. No, 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 no. I, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but it's, it's just... Part of me feels like Fane is, is, is so much of a golem Yeah, type, good call. Right? But at the same time, he's so much worse than Gollum because Gollum's really like he he was he was uh consumed by the ring and then he went to um what was his original name? Gollum was uh Smeagol. Smeagol. Um he, he the the he Mines of Moria. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um but in this Fane is so much worse because I don't know if we have if we've confirmed it yet, but something happened to Fane in in uh, Shadow Logoth, right? Yeah, there was a lot. I don't think they they've talked about it within this book. Okay, yet. they did confirm that was one of the places Fane knew the boys were there. But they didn't talk about anything that happened to Fane. No. No, I don't think we get that until book two. I'm jumping ahead. Oh boy, exciting. Um, but uh. uh so anyways, yeah, I think it's important to note that they, they brought attention to Fane because of where he peddled, and... The two rivers. And, and, and then they, like, specif- you know, specifically told him to, you know, keep searching for this, for this boy, um, and I think they talk about how it was the year before that he first mentioned, that he first noticed them how could he be looking for them for three years and Moraine was like well you know it's it's been a while for him to figure out where you were there's some beautiful stuff too you're right I mean I glossed over for the sake of time but yeah uh Perrin I think Perrin is the one to say oh he started calling us men last year yeah yep yep and and that seems pretty special so Um, basically saying uh, Fane acknowledged them for the first time, even though they weren't there to buy his wares. So that yep. was important. I hear you. Okay. No, I, I, think, I think that covers it. Okay. I don't okay. think we have to spend any more time on that. All right. Sorry. So. Okay, on to chapter, chapter 48. Chapter 48. The Blight. Ingtar and men escort the group to the Blight. And Ingtar the Grumpy is described as disgruntled at life in general, which I hope to use in therapy notes someday. And he wants to know <laughs> details of what the crew is going to do, which Moraine only responds that each one has a place in the pattern, totally avoiding answering. So anyway, Ingtar wants to catch up to the Tarwin Gap group and tells Lan, peace, favor your sword. Therein lies a conversation about That's, peace. Yep, yep. We are told that the other two... Uh, 
groups that left Faldara that morning include... Lord Agomar and his soldiers through one gate, then the families through the king's gate, and they appear sad but have no other choice for their ongoing safety to leave. Land's group left out the Malkiari gate. As they keep traveling, it's noted that the weather gets warmer and humid and wrong. Land says to not touch plants as they will kill. The plants appear decaying. Um, side note, I'm reminded of the fruit in Singapore called the durian, which has a strong odor and is sometimes banned from food courts. I don't know. Okay. Fun note. Moraine admits she has been to the eye of the world before, which is mysterious. It's supposedly, you can only meet the green man once. Nope. No other details, folks. They make camp above a landscape of lakes and witness tentacles coming out of the water with what looks to be, like, hands on the tentacles. Super gross. So, no, th- yeah, 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 okay, okay, sorry, yes. Uh, just gross. That's H.P. Lovecraft at its best. Moraine sets a blinding ward so other eyes will see around their camp, and she reports simple matters concerning the one power can be dangerous to the untrained. Super ominous, based on what we've seen from Rand and Eguine. Um... There's vague talk with Emin Fielders about the girls going to Tarvalon to study to be Aes Sedai. Rand and Egwene still crushing on each other, and it's totally like they're pretending to be as normal as possible in lieu of what is to come. Rand can't sleep and sees a really sad scene between Lan and Nynaeve, in which Nynaeve is begging for Lan to date her, and he calls her his lioness, but Lan totally rejects her because... All I have is a sword and a war I cannot win, but never stop fighting and indicates no woman deserves a widow's black as a bride piece. Nynaeve cries, and Rand shuts his eyes so as not to let her know she's been watched. So, uh, good job, Rand. No, what did he say? He says, uh, there's there's other things I want to talk about, but um, he has a great line. Lan or Rand? Lan. I will hate the man you marry because he's not me, and I yeah. will love him so if he sweet. makes you happy. I just want to cry. And it's like, oh, Lan, why do you have to be such a perfect motherfucker? I know. Um, Setting high expectations, Lan. High expectations. So I did want to mention, like, uh, Rand's pretty freaked out when uh, Moraine says the words, right? Because he is... Oh, yeah, he's, he's on the he's, other he's, side, so he can't He's doing see something. He's, I, I can't remember what he's doing, but oh, he's distracted. doing something on the, on the hill or, like, looking at the... Ta- he's looking at the towers, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was I, I deleted it, but I thought it was interesting. Rand was the first to see a glimpse of seven broken towers, and then it's like it went away. And at the time, I was like, "Is this part of his true, true power?" But um, I think later on we find out they're really there. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was just clouds. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, no, that that was always my kind of thought. Is is uh, maybe a shimmering that's hard to see through? Yeah. In the blight. Um, have you ever been, like, down south, um, like, in the desert where the, the sun gets so hot you can actually see the heat shimmering? Yeah, you know, I, things, I there's mean... Like, there's, like, a, a, like a glossiness, like a, like a moving mean, glossiness. I live in Minnesota, but in the summer on, like, the car, like, the hood of the car, you can see some of that shimmering from no, the heat. No, oh, okay, no, okay, really. okay, I don't... No, no, I mean, I guess, I guess, sure, but no, I'm talking uh, about, like... Like in no, like southern Utah, it. Arizona, in the middle of the summer. Oh, hell no, I wouldn't go there in the middle of summer. Uh, well, go on. Anyways, so that's kind of what I've always pictured the blight being is like this. Utah. Have, having this. I mean, 
no, but sure, I guess. <laughs> but but having a um, mirages, like, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like, yes. like like this thickness of yeah. of, of of like a, a heat shimmer. Right? Yeah, I've seen it in movies. I know what you're talking about. I'm being a brat. Um, I'm from Utah, just for the listeners. Uh, so uh, people like to make fun of me for that fact. Um, although Southern Utah is definitely somewhere that everybody should go to at some point in their I'd life. I'd like to go to the National Park Green River. Okay, yeah. Yep, okay. Just, yep. Just stating There's the There's a facts. lot of national parks in Utah. I haven't even been to all of them. But this is not Utah, and it is not a national park. It's gross, and it feels wrong. I like that they described it as wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the, there's this wrongness. Good intuition, guys. <laughs> does, that make you, uh, does that make you think about the smell of the white cloaks being wrong? Or do you think there's it some correlation? It did not make me think of it, but now that you say it... Do you think there's some correlation there, possibly, between the blight and white cloaks? Uh... The correlation not being direct, but maybe being an indirect. Maybe some sort of like taint. zealotness. It's almost like a current taint. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. A zealousness could be a taint, right? Yep. yep. The taint of pride. I don't know. Okay, I see what you're saying. I've, honestly, I've never thought about that either, but when we were talking about it, it made me think about it like our conversation about how the white cloaks smelled and how they smelled wrong. I think that was two episodes ago. Um, so, anyways, okay. Go on. All right. Chapter 49, the dark one stirs. So the next day, the group officially arrives to the remains of the seven towers. They are real, which look like distant broken stumps. Lan avoids looking at them in the same way he avoids looking at Nynaeve. They head into the Mountains of Doom, which is a Lord of the Ring reference, if I've ever heard of one. Moraine keeps saying that the green man senses need, and they enter the blight where plants are full on rotting where they stand. Matt says it looks like the trees want to grab them, and Moraine totally reassures them, oh, being in my presence will stop that from happening. Basically saying it could happen. (laughs) Problem being, her presence does not stop it. Lan goes into the trees to slay something, and Matt shoots an arrow into a cyclops type of beast um, who dropped right in front of them into a single eye. The trees close in. Rand yells Manetherin, Matt yells gibberish, including the word all Elisanda. So safe to assume it's ancient Manetherin, and also makes me question, is he actually like a descendant of the king, Elisanda's right. husband? Anywho, everything pauses, and then Lance says, worms, which sounds like the movie Tremors. <laughs> right okay because it's not just like little ground worms that come up earthworms that come up after rain this is a big deal they're gonna kill you so the whole crew is pushed to ride as fast and hard up the mountain as possible but rand totally afraid seeks the flame and void but at the same time doesn't want to go any further and scene change so i I really thought i feel like uh the worms is actually more of a uh like a nod to uh, the dune books Oh, Which I've never read. I've never seen movie. the movie. Yep, I've seen um, the movie. I've seen very small, brief parts of the movie, and I know that there are, like, these horrible creatures called worms that okay. can, like, suck suck down, like, a whole freight, right? Like, a yep. whole... So, so that's kind of where I think that maybe he, he got that. But, but... And the, maybe Tremors is based off of Dune. I don't know, but same thing, right? Anyways, they Tremors is great because tra- trailer at one point. Even cool. even the really 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 bad Kevin Bacon movies, which there are a lot of really bad He's Kevin great. Bacon movies, they're still great because Kevin Bacon's in them. 
So he can make the worst movie a good movie because, uh, because he's so fucking amazing. My girlfriends and I had a Tremors marathon. It was wonderful. Okay, anyway. Scene change. Boom. Green leaves. Lush wildflowers. Butterflies. They're in the green man's place where the eye of the world can be found. In comes the green man who dwarfs Loyal in the same way Loyal dwarfs Rand. And Green Man is dressed in plants and bark. He has one <laughs> deep brown fissure up his cheek and temple. And that's the one thing that, like, Mars is perfection, right? Of greenness. Yep. Totally reminds me, personally, of the Ent from Lord of the Rings. That's what Now, I mean. you've already said that Loyal reminds you of Ent. That's funny. I think of both of them. So, do you think that, uh, like... Loyal doesn't look like one. He's just peaceful and slow like okay. one. Okay, okay. Which they are. But Green Man looks like one. I'm not saying he... I don't think he's as slow either. I don't... Okay. Okay. I, I do think that there was a lot of, uh, like, stealing from the whole Ent idea for the Green Man. But I think the way Jordan describes the Green Man, at least in my mind, is the Green Man is very much like a lush plant that, yeah. is, that is a human. Whereas... Tree beard and the other ants were very much trees with lush foliage at the yeah. top, but they were very much trees. They right? were very much trees, and where, their attitude is still ogier, whereas the green man seems nowhere near as like. No, slow. no, the green man is not slow. The he's green man's like, jovial. He's like, hey, you guys, it's been such a long time since I've seen anybody. Yeah. Fuck, we've got a wolf brother, and we've yep. got an Ayil who wears shit. a sword. Oh, oh I, I, I spoiled um, uh, 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 this, the child of the dragon. It. Anyways, go on. Oh, sorry. I'm probably, okay. am I jumping ahead? He you... might be reading my notes, okay. but it's really adorable. <laughs> so Green Man comments, this is my place, and it remains in the same place. Only thing that changes is the location of the people who need it. I like that. Yep, nope, nope. And, and to my whole point, <laughs> yep. I've always thought of the... The um, Ogier as being much more entish. Agreed. And now that even, you say even, it, yeah. even in like looks, you know, because they're, I mean, not really so much looks, but <laughs> no. I've never thought, I've never thought of the green man as looking like an ant. I've always uh, thought of the green okay. man looking like a giant bush with, okay. with a bunch of different types of leaves and, and flowers growing. He's a beautiful So anyways. The green man calls Loyal little brother. Little brother, which Loyal just calls makes him, him. It makes him blush. Loyal's all like, oh, tree brother. Um, <laughs> then the green man calls parent wolf brother. And are the old times truly walking again? And then he calls Ram child of the dragon and oh, asks if people of the dragon return to the first covenant. But hey, you wear a sword. That is neither now nor then. then. Then green man says, my memories, they're just torn and fleeting and kind of points at that big old scar on his forehead. And he asks Moraine, how did you come twice? And he seems resigned. The dark one stirs and the blight is encroaching my space. Yeah. All right. Good stuff there, right? Yes. End yes, yes, yes. And then once again, we get, we get uh, a dump by Moraine <sighs> about how my need is the world's need. Yeah, this is the greatest need. That's why I can find you twice because I need you more than any other motherfucker. All right. Right? She knew a need was the key. Should we keep going? Let's go. All right, Let's do it. 50. We're, 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 we're moving. Meeting at the eye. The green man's place feels safe to Rand, and the green man peacefully picks flowers for the hair of the ladies. 
She encourages a seedling to shoot roots through stone, and he comments, all things must grow where they are, according to the pattern. This seems fishy to me, because I feel like stuff has been shifting, and including his little thing that he just did, stuff can still shift within the pattern. Okay. We find an archway with the Aesidi symbol, and after Matt asks about Avendasora, another important point, the green man looks at Rand funny and says he's not seen it in 2,000 years. Okay, whatever that means. So this whole place, Green Man does not actually enter because it's linked with his end and he had agreed to guard it, but that wasn't what he was made for. But the crew enters and arrives to a pool of water in the shape of an eye. The eye of the world. Moraine explains the pool is the essence of the Sidene, the male half of the true source. There is no known reason why it was created other than the need would be great someday. Only a man can channel it, but the last male ACID has been gone for 3,000 years. Moraine then reveals she brought the boys because they're tavern. And it seems like we've come to the whole point of finding out if she really is using them. Keep going. Okay. Okay. Um, so they just look at the pool. They're leaving the chamber. And we hear a voice say... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, holding. I, I did want to say, and Sorry. it doesn't really matter, but... I feel like, and even upon rereads, I feel like this right here, this part, the, the beginning of this chapter, is the last time this book really makes sense. <laughs> right? Because then yeah. all of a sudden shit happens and it's like, so we're going to have to talk about it. And I honestly, despite listening to a bunch of YouTube or uh, podcasters, watching a bunch of YouTube videos, I still struggle with, with this part that's coming up. And I'm going to also interject, um, I'll say this later, but we'll, uh, I say it very quickly actually, but I'll say it now. When I had already read this once, when I reread it, I was like, what the fuck? I don't remember half of this Yeah. because I glossed over it be and, and I only gloss over things when it stops making sense Yeah. Yeah. or in the case of George R. R. Martin, I really hate the character. So, okay. so this did not make sense to me and I'll, I have a couple notes intermingled. So okay, they leave so the we're chamber. Gonna work it out together. I have found you at last. A voice they hear and cue in two cloaked uber old men, one of whom needs to wear a mask over whatever is left of his face and he can't actually speak. So this is Agonor and Baphomal who are Balthamel. forsaken. You, you, you've left out an L. Uh, fuck. It's not Baphomal, it's right. Baphomal. Okay. So Agonor insists that the seals have weakened on the Dark One's prison, and he knocks out Land with a flick of his hand, but it's Land's fault because he hesitated between do I protect Moraine or Nynaeve? Uh, Balthamal grotesquely attacks Nynaeve. This was really grotesque, actually. And she, yes. he basically holds her by the cheeks, and yep. it says blood appears, which I assume is her blood. Yeah. But Green Man to the rescue. And essentially, uh, Balthamal drops Nynaeve, <laughs> poor girl, and Green Man hugs. Do you want to say no, something? No, you go. The green man hugs Balthamal to death with plants coming out and covering Balthamal. Although the green man takes a bad hit from Aglomar in the meantime and basically dies. Moraine attacks Aglomar with fireballs, but he does a total Jason Voorhees and slowly walks through the fire and is not <laughs> faltered. Then senses a green who's stupidly attempting to channel the one power, dumb bitch. So Rand steps in to protect her, much much to her chagrin, and they finally get the hint to run when we hear Moraine scream. Okay, okay, so um, I'm just going to look at your notes real fast to make sure that you skipped over this. I did skip over a lot, Okay. there's a lot. Okay, 
so they show up. Old man. And the first thing that happens, that Rand notices, that happens, is, well, it's not the first thing, but Lan hesitates. Yeah, I, I put he, that out of order. Okay, okay. But Lan did hesitated. Did you even say that? I, I did. Oh, but it's, it's Lan's fault, fault for hesitating between, yep, yep. Uh, so this is our first indication that Lan has feelings for Nynaeve, and it's the first, well, it's It's, it's not, not the not first mine, indication. But it's, it's, it's I mean, that conversation was the first it's indication, right? Like, like. They've, they've been flirting for a while. Like, I mean... I know. The, the Warder's so love story was the first. The, I was going to say, the last episode that we recorded that hasn't, that hasn't been published yet is going to be titled... Uh, the Warder's Love Story? The Warder's Love Story. That's what the episode title is going to be. <laughs> I've already fabulous. made that decision. <laughs> um, <laughs> I haven't decided what this uh, title is going to be yet. But. Yeah, so this is proof, though, that Lan, even though he basically dumped Nynaeve, he has the mega feelings. And, and yeah, so, so he basically, like... He ends up getting taken out because Agenor uh, and Balthamel recognize him as, like, one of the bigger threats, right? Correct. And he might have, might have been able right. to do something if he hadn't hesitated. Which I agree. It's only a might. Because he's still going up against two Forsaken who... Right. There were 13 of them, but they were the 13 most badass people in the fucking world 3,000 years ago. But I gotta say... Like, Lan versus Matt with the dagger, so casual and just instantly there. That's why I said you hesitated. Yeah. Therefore, yeah. if you yeah. had a chance, it you is might. Gone. Yeah, you might have had a chance, and 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 you know that his hesitation was like. I love naive. A, a micro. Well, no, you you know it was like a a, a millisecond, right? Like, yeah. I hesitate for a second or two or three or seven. You know, a heartbeat. Um, yeah, like he his his hesitation is so fucking brief that only a forsaken could probably. That's true. You know. Yes. But also, Rand knows this is because you know Rand is. And I gotta powerful. say, I didn't really detail it, but Nynaeve is just dropped like a sack of rocks, and it says something like her eyes are just vacant. It really, really, really seemed like she might have been she dead. She might have been. There killed. was like a ninety yep. percent chance when yep. I very first read through. She really dead. That was my very yep. first read. No, I think I I think that was probably my first thought too. Should we keep going? Yes. Yes, I'm yes, yes, excited. yes. Yes. Chapter fifty one against the shadow. Rand, <laughs> Rand continues running uphill, but Agonar is hot behind him. So side point. This is the dude who faced Luz in the prologue, right? Yes? Maybe? Ah. Uh, don't answer that. Okay. Agonar. Wait. Hold on, hold on, hold, hold, hold the fucking phone. You hold You're it. four books into here. Are you asking this for real? Yeah, because let me emphasize, I have this in a couple sentences. Worth noting, I skimmed this so hard the first read through, I thought Agnor was Baalzaman. The first read through. Okay. I thought they were synonymous. Okay. Your second read through? Second read through. Hey, is Agonar actually the guy who is fighting Luz Theron? No. <laughs> Damn it! Was no. it Baal Zaman? Damn it's, it's, it. different. Oh. And and I I'm I'm sorry I'm I'm okay. sorry I, I'm shocked. So uh, Agonar actually I'm pretty sure Agonar actually says something about 
does he say something about Belzmon or does he use a different name? He might use a different name. No, no, no. Uh, okay, I can't remember what you're holding the phone for, but basically. No, I was holding the phone to ask you if you like after after going through the first four books and then rereading the first book, uh-huh. you still think that Agenor is uh, Belzmon? Or no, no, no. You think Agenor is the guy yeah. who who? Okay, okay. Yes, okay. I did. No, tell no, you just told me no, no. no. He's not. Oh, okay. You, 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 you understand there's a difference between Agenor and Balsamon, right? Truth. Okay. The second read-through. The first read-through, which I admittedly skimmed, apparently, because I didn't remember much of this. Um, I thought he was Balsamon. Okay. So, okay. So, no. No, Agenor and Balsamon are not... Okay. They're, they're different forsaken. Okay. Agenor indicates he has no desire to bend the knee to Rand as is basically defecting from the Dark One's orders. Rand is desperate to escape and then he observes a glowing rope coming off of Agenor. Rand feels the rope and feels the power. It's occurring to me at this point the similarity for all those who's read Dark Deborah Harkness's A Discovery of Witches in which need is the key for using power. Good book series. Okay. Sure enough. Rand wants to get away. Boom! He's in the midst of the Trolloc versus Shinar battle that we left at Faldar off. And he calls lightning that kills the drag car that are in the air, burns a fire against the Trollocs, and Rand wants it all to end. Okay, different thought occurs in his head, but this is not his own thoughts. Um, basically, it's a thought in his head. We basically are led to believe Baalzaman is speaking through his thoughts. Rand is led to a door which is familiar, but shatters when he touches it. I didn't really get that, so don't get it. Boom! We're in a previous dream scene with striated skies and the terrible fireplace which Baalzaman talks from. Rand sees a thick black cord from Baalzaman, who hints that Rand has fled him many times and warns that Tarvalon will use him and insists that Rand will serve him and conjures images of Egwene, Nynaeve, and Rand's Mama, Mama Kari, in which his mom calls Baalzmon the Lord of the Grave. And she even seems to feel bad Rand is in the spot he's in. Um, Rand sees her tortured by numerous devices. It's very grotesque, actually. Mm-hmm. Then he conjures up a blade of light and cuts the black cord. Baalzmon hollows, and Rand is struck with a tremendous force. End scene. There's a lot. There is so so I I was hoping that your notes would be would 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 give me an avenue to go down where I could describe cuz I still have a hard time making sense of this writing. Same. But I believe what happens is Agenor and I just listened to these chapters today earlier while I was cleaning so you know, I skimmed but anyways, um, they are both, both Agenor and Rand are pulling from the pure Sedin, which is in the eye of the world. Because that's what the eye of the world is. It's, it's, it's just a pool of pure Sedin. Okay. Can I interrupt? Yes. Or do yes. yes. No, 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 no. You, you ask. I deleted this for the sake of I had too many notes, people. But I had asked earlier on in my notes, um, uh, Moraine says only men can channel the eye of the world, the true source from the male half of the true source. Sorry. So I had asked, can the dark one channel it too? Uh, 
so I can't really answer that. Neither, uh, but but uh, okay. Just but, but 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 no no no. So so you said um, it's it. You said the true the true source of the male half of the source. Correct. It's the pure form of the male half. So so Sidine is tainted because of the Dark One's touch. Because, oh, sure. And that's what makes men go crazy. This pool was created in the Age of Legends when the Time of Madness very first started. And I believe both men and women, Aes Sedai, worked together to create this pool of pure Sidin in okay. hopes that maybe they could use it at some point to fix the taint okay. of the male half. That is my understanding of it. I think for seasoned readers who are much smarter than I am, because I'm a seasoned reader, but I also forget everything. On, You're on, smart. Right, right. But uh, um, uh, I, I, I think for, even for seasoned readers, this is a confusing scene. But so that's what's happening. They're, okay. they're both both Agonor and and it, it talks about how Agonor is actually becoming more fleshy, starting to like have more hair, you know, like starting to appear younger because he is drawing from this pureness, this this pure Sidene. But Rand is also drawing from it, even though he doesn't realize he's drawing from it, and because of plot armor, he's able to draw more than Agonor. Okay. Um, and I'll then all of a sudden, one. I think he goes, anyways, he transports in some way to, a, I, I've always thought of him as being above the field of battle. Oh. Or okay. did you think of him as like no. in the past? I, I totally <laughs> thought he's just sitting there watching them and he's like, they're not even seeing me. They do see but him eventually. It, but, but it I seems he like he's there. from the sky, right? He's, it's, it almost seems I like he's like got a bird's eye view. It's That's so true. confusing. Like I still, I just listened to this chapter today, and I'm still fucking confused about it because there's, and like I said, there's a lot of people in this community who have covered this over and over ad nauseum, um, and I still have a hard time wrapping my head around exactly what's going on. But it seems to me that Rand is like at one point he's looking down on the field, and then all of a sudden yep. he's like there, and he's basically like, uh, uh, just desecrating. I mean, the, he the forces totally, of the dark. he totally did a lose there in uh, teletransportation, right? Where he's here one moment, gone another. So that was part of why I maybe connected him. Is this lose waking up again? Okay. Um, but I, no, yeah. no, yeah, 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 yeah. I guess yeah, I don't. Yeah. I visioned him literally in the field, like no one's even noticing me. I guess yeah, this is no, super silly. Yeah, I literally envisioned him in between them, which there probably I, was no, no I, in I, between. No, I think that's where he is. I think he gets a bird's eye view, okay. and then all of a sudden he's there. Okay. All of a sudden he's right there in the middle. And then and then he's like fucking drag car. They're dead, and then the trollocs are swollen by swallowed 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 by the earth. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Swallowed by the earth. Uh, lightning comes down. There's. There's just like he keeps thinking about like a light that just comes from him, and yes. all of a sudden this shit happens. And we get a little bit more description later on. I think in the second to last or the last chapter. 
Yep. From from Agrimar. Yep, we do. Okay. Okay. So 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 let's 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 move on. It's getting so exciting. Oh my god! <laughs> Chapter fifty-two. There is neither beginning nor end. Rand awakes. His memories are slow to return, and it even appears to the reader that. His very consciousness is forming. So this is where I thought, uh, is his mind breaking? Is this just like Luz from the prologue? Are his old memories of yore sorting through or something? Okay. Ram manages to remember his own name, remembers Egwene, and goes in search of her. He finds Egwene and Nynaeve alive. Well, it's, it's funny. It's funny because like he thinks about He's like, Egwene, that's a name I know. And then he comes out of where he was out of, right. out of the out of the arches and sees a young lady with big round brown eyes right and and then he's able to put a name to so he's like I'm it's sorry. almost like he's he's coming out of amnesia right now and it's still like Luz Theron, whose first thought is his wifey poo who's dead in front of him the whole time no. okay no. yes he finds Egwene and Nynaeve alive Egwene appears to cringe at the sight of him. Moraine is on the ground, but is alive, and demands Rand tell everything, which he does. Uh, Moraine gives a bit of history dump of her own um, suspicions of Rand, including he questioned her after she gave him the charmed coin, which, which he shouldn't have questioned yep. her. But if I remember correctly, and maybe I remember, but... Rand or Madden Perrin? Well, no, I guess Rand Madden Perrin didn't really Madden Perrin didn't really question her. In the we didn't have a perspective from me. You're right. You're right. Okay. Okay. You're right. Marie noted that it was Rand who must have healed Bella of tiredness yes. because he was protective of which Eugene. we talked about already. Rand was very concerned about going crazy, but Marine says he might be stubborn enough to survive. Side note. That's what Lan said about Perrin and the whole wolf thing. Mm -hmm. So Two Rivers folks are stubborn. They're stubborn. The eye of the world is gone, leaving a crystal column in the pool, which the other fellas have been instructed to go look into. So only Lan and the women know that Rand officially channeled the One Power. Loyal comes out with the other boys with a large gold chest. And Rand lies to the guys about what happened to him, and they blindly accept the lie. The fellas reveal pieces of broke pottery, which represent the flame of Tarvalon and the dragon's fang, which fit together to form the ACID symbol in black and white. Okay. Burn me, says Matt. Sorry. Super creative, Robert Jordan. I finally kind of pictured, oh, I get it, dragon's fang. It does look like half of a yin-yang. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So there's so there's there's the flame of Tarvalon. Yep. Which is uh, kind of a sideways flame being pushed by wind. Yep, yep, yep. And 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 then and the the, fang. the dragon fang, which is it's the side view of a fang. Yep. I don't know why it didn't hit me until I really read it right there. But oh, okay, so this used to be one of the seven seals of the dark one's prison. Oh shit! Marine, burn me! Burn me! Right, go on. <laughs> Moraine opens the chest and reveals a horn. And Loyal reads ancient language, which says, The grave is no bar to my call. Okay, that would be foreboding for the next chapters. Land states the Horn of Valir. 
Marine questions if the eye of the world was intended as they used it or if it was actually meant to guard the items within. Mm -hmm. Guess we'll never know. And Matt says, burn me. Keep swearing, (laughs) damn it. Finally, the last item is a long white banner made in one piece with the figure of a serpent in scarlet and gold scales. It is the banner of the Lord of the Morning, Luz Theron, the dragon. Well, shit. And Loyal, like, almost drops his end, and Matt says, burn me! Okay. All right, should we finish it up? Yes, I, I, right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go on tangent there. Chapter 53, the wheel turns. Uh, we see Loyal mourning for Tree Brother and sings to the grave of the green man, which appears, uh, his voice is melodic and beautiful, and flowers and leaves appear around the green man's body or grave. Loyal insists the blight will not get his grave. The troop returns through the blight, which appears to crouch at them and not attack. And Perrin even notices a difference as they continue moving forward, and it appears spring has sprung. Hello, Narnia. <laughs> Christmas has come. They return to oh, Faldara, where the soldiers return victorious from the flight at Tarwin's Gap, although Lord Agomara notes that there was a person who appeared. And the mountain swallowed the Trollocs. He, he gives credit that it wasn't just us. There was something else going on. Moraine tells Agomar that the green man died and presents Agomar the horn of Valir, but refuses to let him use it immediately. Uh, I'm going to jump to one week later. We see Lan giving Rand sword lessons. And Rand starts talking through maybe to a grieve. Um that he wants to leave in order to stay away from the others in case he continues to touch the one power and go mad, but he doesn't want to go home either. Very end, Moraine is holding her blue stone, which historically she knew used as her initial touch to the one power to overhear those outside of hearing distance. And we hear her say, prophecies will be fulfilled. The dragon is reborn. Okay, um, a lot of things. So... First of all, Moraine's sick of shit, and everybody wants, like, Ingtar's like, I'm, I I need to call, you know, the healer right away, yeah, and, she's and, pretty and Moraine's like, no, I need to see Agomar. And then she shows Agomar the, the Horn of Valir. I don't believe she shows him the other two things. Nope, I only wrote the Valir. Just the Horn of Valir. And, um... Immediately, without even thought, he's like, "Oh my God, we could use this to yeah. just go right into the blind, right to Shale Goal, and just he's ready. take him down." And she's like, "No, that can't happen. There are sh- prophecies to be fulfilled. There, there's shit that needs to happen before we do this. So, no, we've got to take it to Alien." But so yes, there's the conversation between Rand and Egwene about how he's he doesn't want to. What am I trying to get to? I have no idea. I skipped it. <laughs> um, oh, at the end, you mean? No, 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 no. So there's there's uh, a scene where Moraine tells Agamar that he needs to get his best men together to take the horn to Ilion. Okay. Yeah, that was a big thing. I yes. That's 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 and I I I I I'm sorry. I, Agamar wanted to use it, and she's like, no. And then what you said. We need to take it to Ilian. I need your best man to take it. I, I went off on a tangent that I lost my mind okay. in. So. Prophecies are we got to bring this to Ilian, yep. wherever Ilian is. I haven't looked at a map lately. Um, Agamar. So it's inter- he has his point of view or his, his desires. 
But he does listen to Moraine, right? He's a pretty nice guy. Agamar? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, no. Agamar's badass. Your copy of the Eye of the World does not have a map. Does too. In the beginning. Does it? Doesn't it? Did I skip over it? I. Uh, it has maps throughout. But it doesn't have one right at the very beginning. Apparently not. But I swear, is it after the prologue? Is Sorry, guys. After... We are flipping through. Prologue. Prologue, bro. That's so prologue, isn't it? No, I know. I was, I was flipping this Right way. after. There we go. There. Okay, so Ilian is about oh, as far shit. south as you can get. Those so fucking southerners. So, so this is where we are. We're at Faldara. This is the capital, Falmarn. Okay, so Falmarn is... Um, the capital of That's Shinar. where they brought lamb, baby lamb. Yes. Okay. And uh, I'm looking at the map. No, that's not. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so that's where they are. They're oh, Faldar. Yeah. They're North even East. further north. And this is where they want to go to Ilion. Which is way fucking south. Which is so that's basically going from Bemidji, <gasps> Minnesota to New Orleans. Um, I've been to New Orleans. I have to. Very much. I have to. Okay. I have to. So, yeah, that's accurate. Bemidji to New Orleans. Yep. Okay, that's a long ways away. That's, that's that's a bit of a without without you know without cars or highways or, or planes, right? Okay. So so yeah so anyways. So Horn of Valier has to go to Ilian to fulfill the prophe- prophecies. Am I correct? The prophecies. Yes. <laughs> and uh, that's okay. I slur all the time. Um, yes, and so did you already finish your notes? Yeah, you did. Bra. Yeah, we, the prophecies yep. will yep. be fulfilled. The dragon is reborn. is reborn. So who's the dragon? Who's the dragon? It's Rand. Okay. Can awesome. I say? I think I say dragon correctly as a Minnesotan who usually say dragon, but do you dragon? Notice? Dragon. I've always said magazine. My friend Maggie was Maggie, but other people say I still have an accent. Are you talking about like the a. ah to the eh? Yeah. So like like instead Maggie. of a bag, it's a bag. Or dragon. Instead of a, yeah, a dragon. Instead of nagging, you're nagging. You're like some of them, I don't say correctly. <laughs> okay, you can I, edit. When that I out. very first no, when I no no this this needs to be we on the podcast. Bags. When when I very first moved to North Dakota, which is just. Not far from here. Same Across region. the river from Minnesota. Same same region. Um, uh, the first time I went to the store, uh, they asked me if I wanted to beg for that. And I was like, no, I'll pay for it. I've got money. I don't oh. want to beg for it. And they're like, no, oh. a bag. Like a, a, a bag. A bag. Like, so oh, funny. a bag. And it made me think of that the movie uh, um, uh, Snatch. Oh, never seen it. Oh my God! You need to watch Snatch. <sighs> Anyways, they're they're talking about dogs, but they keep saying dags. Do you like dags? Do you like dags? Oh. And finally, the guy's like, "You mean dogs?" And that's what I thought. I was like, "Do you want to beg for that?" And I was like, "No, I'll pay for it." And they're like, "No, do you, you want to beg for Mormon. it?" And I was like, "Fucking non like <laughs> northern United States." Right? Like, it's not just Minnesota, guys. No, it's, it's just well, North Dakota and is Wisconsin. basically. North Dakota is basically Minnesota. I, mean, I, I think half of, North, half of North Dakota feels like they're Minnesota. The other half feels like they're Colorado. Huh. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. But North Dakota right. was a great state to So live sorry. In. So anyways, uh, we're approaching the end. Yes. And we've got one more thing to do. What do we got to do, Glee Man? We've got to fuck, marry, kill. Yeah, we do. So... Uh, 
I might be able to spin it out. Did you want to go first? You, you go. To... If you if you uh, got it, you go. Fuck. Victory fuck to Rand. Okay. I'm giving it to Rand. Okay. Victory. Yeah, I, I think he'll appreciate he that. Even though he's quite a prude. Emotional growth throughout this yeah. past chunk. Yeah. I really do think him not talking about Nynaeve's sadness, that was emotional growth. And okay. of course he won. Good job, Rand. Um, Mary. Boy, there are some good ones, but it'd be between Agomar and uh Master Gil. Okay. So boy. I'm going to say Agomar, but probably the recency effect. He was the most recent one. But how he entertained them at dinner time. Like, he could have just told them, deal with yourselves. I'm going to go to my rooms. No, he was no, legit. No. He wanted to talk to them. It, there's there's a reason why uh, Shinar is one of my favorite cultures within the Wheel of Time story. And, and like, just that... Endless hospitality. I spent I spent uh, my junior year of high school in Finland, and they were like, the way they described the Sheenars very much remind me of, of like the older Finnish people. That oh I knew. yeah, they were very so, much. They very much had a sense of duty, a sense of of politeness, a sense of uh, community that I'd never seen. Growing up in Utah, that I and growing up in the Mormon Church in Utah, I still had never seen this sense of just, uh, just oh, no. absolute kindness. I have an example of this kindness. I went to Finland with my girlfriend Kristen Kirsten and her cousin. We met her cousin, stayed with her family, and her cousin Paula talked to an elderly man because um, we wanted to row a boat, kayak out to some, it was called the Devil's Throat or yeah. something. Anyway, the older man, all we wanted was directions. He's like, I'm so sorry, my boat isn't available today. This stranger was ready to give Paula her, his boat yep. for the day to get yep. us there. And we're like, no, 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 no. We're going to purposely kayak rowboat out there. Yep. So that is Finland, folks. No, fin- the, right. the Finns are fucking kind. Gracious. And we have Andrew the Bard of Time who's Swedish. And I'm sure that he'll be like, the Swedes are nicer than the Finns, you asshole. And I have a friend, Snoa, <laughs> from Denmark, who's also nicer. Uh, All right. No, no, the, the Scandinavians are amazing. The, 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 scan, the whole Scandinavian area is, is <laughs> Fun amazing. Fun fact, Finland is not Scandinavia. We won't talk about history. Mm, so, kill Iguin. Okay. Little bitch. Um, she has a few cool moments, but overall... Just a little bitch. I feel like what happens in this section that we talked about is like the closest that Rand and Negwin ever actually come to showing each other emotion and affection. I feel like they've been sworn to each other, but they don't ever really like each other. Like in the very, very beginning of the story, every time somebody brought up uh, Egwin to Rand, he was like, fuck, I don't want to think about Egwin. Like, I don't even think they like each other. They're just... Expected. expected to like each other so they try and pretend to like each other but her not being truthful well it isn't that she wasn't truthful but she was so critical of matt and elsa and Min, <laughs> but not owning up to i fucking belly dance for this rm chick so we're starting to see like a, a bit of a uh hippocratic personality a little bit from Egwene, right so that's mine yep okay you? um so remind me you fucked I went for uh, Rand, victory and, fuck. And you, you married Agumar and you... Killed Egwene. Okay. So, the fuck in this one is hard for me. But I'm, I'm going to give it to Inktar. 
feel like Inktar needs a win. That's, that's really <laughs> Cause, sweet. Because he's, 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 he, he's obviously like a dedicated soldier and he's like, he loves fighting the, the, the shadow and he's so stoked that Lan and Moraine are there and then he finds out that they're not going to help him and then he finds out that he can't even join the, the battle of the, <laughs> the uh, Tarn's Gap right away so he has right. to go uh, because he has to go like escort these guys to the fucking... Quote border. unquote, Ingtar is disgruntled at life in general. So, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm giving, I'm giving uh, Ingtar a pity fuck here. Okay. Because I'm so hot, so, he would totally want me. Um, he would. Uh, I'm totally marrying, even though he dies, I'm totally marrying Shemesta, the Shemesta. green man. Oh. oh my god, that was totally a spoiler. You have not learned that name no. yet. No. No, that's not true. You did. Did I? In book four. Okay. But, spoiler warning, you guys, sorry. About that. So the green man, uh, um, good the green choice. Man has a name. Good the gr- choice. The green man, I would totally marry. I mean, think about it. You just get to like lay in his bushes all day long. Um, with butterflies. With butterflies. butterfly, right? Like that's that's truly like my dream. Like if I could just retire from life in 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 just a grove of bushes like where it. I didn't have to do anything. I like it ever a lot. and just lay in bushes. That, that, that's that's like my ultimate fantasy. Um, I, oh my God, who am I killing? Um, no, I'm totally blanking on this one. I've got to, I've, I've, I can't kill. Let me give you a few. Um, Um, you're not going to kill the Forsaken? I thought you would. Well, I mean, you can't really because they're dead. Yeah. Well, and I figure it's too obvious. That's Um, my problem. And, um, and and same Cowan? with like I've already killed Cowan Fairheart Pat and the fucker. Fane. <laughs> oh Pad and Fane. I've already killed Pat and Fane. Oh uh, no! Do you know what? Do you know what? <gasps> I'm, know, I'm, I'm, killing, I'm killing the queen. I'm killing Queen Bran. She's not a fucking queen. She's not the queen. She's the she's the sister in law. I'm killing Bran, the sister in law of uh, Lance parents. Uh-huh. That Lance aunt. I'm I killing Lance aunt because she's a fucking cunt. As we say in Ooh, Minnesota, aunt. Uh, I disagree with the c word. But Brian is a bitch, which is also probably inappropriate. Brian is evil. Brian is horrible. So this is the last time either of us are going to say the C or the B word. Correct. Sure. Um. But Brian is horrible. <laughs> but she's a horrible person. Uh, uh, she's evil. So, evil. Yeah. yeah, totally killing Brian. I support that. Yeah. She yeah. needs to die. Yeah, she does. So, okay. okay. Well, hey, you guys, thank you so much for uh, fumbling through this episode with us. <laughs> Sorry um, about that. And uh, we, we're, we're done with the Eye of the World. We did it. So we're going to do uh, uh, another quick, like, five or six episodes, synopsis of, synopsis, whoa, the White Tower Girls are going to kill me. Synopsis? Synopsis, synopsis of... Uh, the next book, book two, The Great Hunt. Correct. And um, I think that should probably, I mean, this took us five episodes, Way which I long. which I thought we could do it in three to four. So book two, I'm probably saying we'll probably do another five episodes to cover book two. Because um, book two actually has Shit. Sorry. a lot more. Like we get more characters, we get more places, we get more plots. So... So, so there yeah. goes my Christmas break. Merry Christmas to all who oh. celebrate. Happy Kwanzaa and Kanaga to those who already celebrated. Yep, yep. 
And just uh, happy holidays and just a load of happiness to everybody. Um, Thanks for listening, you guys, and have a great week. Bye. Thank you for joining us on The Glee Man's Apprentice. I have been Twitch Avery. The Glee Man's Apprentice is hosted by Twitch Avery and Mandy Katz. Edited by Twitch Avery and produced by Twitch Avery and Mandy Katz. The theme song was written by yours truly and performed and produced by Andrew Bard of Time. Thank you for listening.